Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I'm Jen, joined as always by Jared Dad. Good evening. Hi Jared Dad. It is evening. How are things going? Good, I like it when it's evening and I say evening. Yes, yeah, sometimes we record like in the <laughs> afternoon. Feels more honest. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's good to be with you to talk about murder. Thanks everyone for being patient during our week off. We had Hiatus. A, we had a lot going on planning the live show and just couldn't get to a murder podcast. Not a murder live show. No, there was no murder. Near no. death, but no. no murder in the live show. I don't show. even know. Wait a minute. I'm not sure there was a lot of near death. <laughs> anyway, we made it through. And uh, so this week, we're talking about the 1906 Florida Keys hurricane, which is a murderer. Not so near death. Full death. Lots of death for lots of people, but not a murderer in the human sort. Nature is the biggest murderer, it turns out. Indeed. And I wanted to do this one because we get to talk about some Florida history, which yeah. is pretty interesting. It's like kind of amazing, actually. I, I grant you this fully. It's totally amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All yeah. right. So uh, we're going to talk about the 1906 Florida Keys hurricane, but I want to backtrack a little bit to uh, talk about John D. Rockefeller and Samuel Adams and Flagler. Samuel Adams, American patriot? Well, this is Samuel Adams of Standard Oil, a company you may have heard of. Sohio. Well, it was uh, John D. Rockefeller was the patron of the University of Chicago, where mm-hmm. I went to school. Oh, yeah. And uh, Samuel Adams, I don't know, patron of beer companies <laughs> in Boston? I don't Wait, know. Samuel Adams was Revolutionary War. I mean, there's probably multiple dudes named Samuel Adams, including this guy. Oh, he was Standard Oil man? No. There, Yes. So, uh, Henry Flagler along with John D. Rockefeller and Samuel Adams, helped found Standard Oil. Mm. So they were super, super rich guys. Even by today's standard, they'd be super duper rich. They were definitely the 1%. They were Bezos rich. I'm so unprofessional. Jeff Bezos rich, where he could buy a country and still have money left over. Yeah, super rich. And uh, so they founded Standard Oil. John D. Rockefeller, I mean, he did a lot of things, including founding the University of Chicago. Yes, 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 Jen. Where'd you go to school? University of Chicago. (laughs) Thanks, Rockefeller. Your chapel's real pretty there. It's a nice campus. That was probably the best thing he ever did. He produced me, (laughs) in a way. (laughs) Very indirectly. He he made a nice university. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. So, uh, So, yeah, Flagler, he was like, Florida. Nobody's doing a lot in Florida, and it seems like a place where we could do a lot. And so he just starts... When was this, by the way? This is like the late 1800s, early 1900s. And you know why no one was doing anything in Florida? Because you couldn't get there. Yeah, and disease and Indians. Yes. I mean, it's a hot, mosquito-ridden place with absolutely no transportation at the time. Yeah. So you... Yeah, and alligators. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like hanging off the end of the U.S. <laughs> and nobody can go That's there, right. really. Can, New Orleans gets you like to the to the water. Yeah, you're so like, you're everybody's fine. on the Mississippi River they then. They got ports. They got Savannah and Charleston. They're fine. They don't need to expand further south. Yes, yeah. I mean, on the East Coast, yeah, we've got Savannah and Charleston. Yeah, I'm thinking of East Coast. Yeah. yeah. Why do we need Florida? If you if you bring anything into Florida, you just go to go all the way around Florida. That's right. You're going past all these beautiful ports. Yeah, and there's no transportation. There's no railroads. Yeah. There's no road roads. There's nothing. Yeah. And 
1895, Flagler has founded the Florida East Coast Railway. And this is his railroad that he's personally funding. <laughs> this is how rich he is. Yeah. And uh, uh. starts chugging railroad on down the east coast of Florida. So Laying he, track. Yeah, he does. He founds all kinds of places <laughs> along the way that you've heard of, and including things like uh, Palm Beach. St. Augustine first, right? St. Augustine, yeah, starts in St. Augustine. Um, and then there's a couple beaches along the way. Palm Beach is interesting for me because in addition to being the home of Mar-a-Lago, uh, gaudy, nouveau, riche place, it's also the home of, uh, of Flagler's Resort that he built there. And you could take the train directly to get off and go to the resort, yeah, right? I, I mean, Can I tangent? Yeah, please. This was a thing, railroad resorts. Like, yeah, oh, totally, They didn't yeah. have cruise ships because, I don't know, you'd die. Um, but they had railroad resorts where you'd like you'd take the railroad for four hours and then you'd get into this friend of mine once called it a landlocked cruise ship, which was like a resort with everything, like horseback riding and shooting and hunting and, you know, swimming and stuff. And you could stay there for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I mean, there's like nowhere else really to go. Yeah, it's, in, the, it's the station on the railroad. <laughs> um, but yeah, this resort's called The Breakers. And I mention it because I had done a talk for AAA, the like help you with the roadside assistance people yeah. who also give ratings to hotels, right? So you can get a triple A five diamond rating. And I had done a presentation for triple A and they only hold their meetings at five diamond resorts that they rate. <laughs> Self-proclaimed. And one of them was at the breakers in Palm beach, which was this resort that Flagler built originally as part of his thing. And yeah. so it's this old school, like turn of the century is the most beautiful hotel i have ever stayed at it was just stunning and they i was staying for one night because i was just doing a talk and so they upgraded me and i'm in this suite the bedroom is on the beach like you look out the window you can't see anything except ocean the waves are crashing in couldn't you like almost stick your feet out of the door and get wet i mean it was if that i close? Had, if i had been on the ground floor except i was on the sixth floor oh, yeah. so i just had these amazing views and i mean everything there is just like Top notch. If I had bought that room, I think it would have cost like $1,500 a night. Wow. Um, but everything about it was stunning. And this is the sort of thing he was trying to build. He is like, there are people who will pay to come to Florida. Because look at these beaches. Guys, yeah. look at these beaches. <laughs> Beautiful. Check it out. So he, he built these really amazing resorts. And to do that, you need to build a whole city. You need people who are going to work at the resorts. You need places to have food to grown eat. or yeah. brought in. You That's need right. stuff for them to do. Amazing. And so at all of these stops, he would build... They're like colonies, but in the U.S. <laughs> kind of, yeah. He'd build these whole cities, uh, including Miami. He's considered the father of Miami, and they wanted to name it, not him, wanted to name it Flagler City. And he's like, you should not name it Flagler City, like name it after the Native Americans who live here, which is how it got, right? It was maybe the river, the Miami River was named after the Native Americans, but he basically declined to have it named after him. Good move, Michael. He doesn't have a lot of named things in the U.S., I think. That's why he's not, like Rockefeller's all over the place, but... yeah. You know, Flagler sounds like a more modest dude. Yeah, there's like streets and stuff named after him yeah. and, and whatever. But yeah. But he could have had like Flagler City 1, Flagler City 2, Flaglerville, Flaglerville. Flagler, yeah. Flagler, Flagler Town. Beach, Flagler yes. City. Yeah, nothing yeah. like that. Uh, and I mean, 
they you know people were trying to name miami after him and he declined but he the whole east coast of florida really became a thing because of him because he built the railway all the way down and that allowed people to come to florida because there was no other way to get there i mean i guess you could take a boat but there was nowhere even to come to why would you right you you wouldn't why would you stop there if you were on a boat you just keep going until cuba probably yeah that's right i mean key west was a city um before this but yeah, it was sort of like a trading port it was in like between. An industrial dump. He'd go to Cuba for fun. I mean, it wasn't really an industrial dump, <laughs> no. Uh, but it was kind of like a fishing and trading port. It was sort of the stop off between Havana and New Orleans. Hmm. Um, you could stop at Cuba or uh, at Key West. Shrimp. <laughs> Buy some shrimp. Sponges was really oh, the yeah, thing. That was another. It was some several booms. In Key West. Sponge, yes, yeah, they've kind of gone. But sponges, I think, were the thing back then. Um, and lots of trading. And uh, and so, yeah, so he managed to get down to Biscayne, Key Biscayne, which is not part of the Florida Keys, but it, we've been there. It's yeah, uh, it's southern part of Miami. Yeah, it's so it is an island, but it's out. It's just outside Miami. And, uh, and he had gotten all the way down there, had founded all of these towns and built all this stuff. And he really had this dream of taking... The railroad all the way to Key West. The problem is... Which is just stubborn. I mean, the thick-headedness of this, like, that's as far as I can go. I want to go all that I'm way. going all the way to Key West. it wasn't that much in the middle, right? Between Miami and Key West, it's, you know, there's nothing. There's a bunch of basically uninhabited islands. <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, I was pulling the numbers on it. And uh, so he starts this project in 1905 to extend the Florida Railroad to what is then called the Overseas Railroad, yeah. which goes from basically Miami to Key West. Uh, there's nothing there. So Key West, the population of Key West has kind of always <laughs> been about 25,000. Yeah. It is still around 25,000 or maybe 27. Like there's good reasons for it only to be 25. Sometimes there's bad reasons. It's like Maybe in the, the Civil same. War it was down to 21 because they... Uh, I think we've mentioned before, Key West was held by the Union. So even though Florida was a Confederate state, Key West was always part of the Union. The Union held it. So like, it's an island back then. It's an, it's an island. We're just going to hold it. And there was a there was and is a fort there. And so the Union's like, yeah, no, it's ours. And there was <laughs> it was really easy because there was no road or railroad. There was no yeah. way to get there other than a boat. And they're like, fuck you guys. And everybody's like, we have we have a navy. Yeah, what do we need Key West for? Basically, so true. Uh, but they kind of kicked all the Confederate confederates out they were like you can be part of the union or you can leave and so uh there weren't a i mean i think there were plenty of confederate super uh sympathizers but a lot of you know the the handful of people who really couldn't deal with the union just left the others Um, stayed quiet yeah and they just dealt with it and there were some really seemingly great union generals that everybody loved that really just let the place run and then they'd switch off with like some really oppressive union generals yeah. and everybody and they'd put in curfew and no alcohol and everybody hated like them. mini riots and yeah. yeah uh but anyway so he wants to go to key west and to do that you have to build a railroad over a chain of islands and actually the original plan was to build the railroad into the Everglades and then build a bridge 25 miles long over open water to get to Big Pine Key. I mean, the guy was just, it's kind of like SpaceX, right? I mean, you're just like, (laughs) it's not possible with today's engineering. I'm just going to do it, though. I'm just going to throw money at the problem until, hey, look at that, a 25-mile bridge? That's crazy. The Chesapeake Bridge is... 10 i think and that's the longest one i know i know that's a, so, and that's a bridge slash tunnel 
And I mean, you go, yeah, so we'll, all right, we'll come back to this. Yeah. So yeah, from Biscayne Bay to Key West, 128 miles. Yeah. So there's a long way to go, and right. there's not a lot of land there. So you might as well be going on road. <laughs> so yeah, this 25-mile stretch, can you imagine? I mean, the, so they ended up not going that way. They ended up basically following the chain of the Keys. Yeah. The longest bridge on there is the seven-mile bridge, which we've talked about. Um, I ran that bridge when I ran the Keys 100 race. You know, it was between mile 50 and 60 of that race. And, you know, I was telling somebody this week, when you're in the middle of that bridge, you know, you're three and a half miles across the seven mile bridge. You can't see either end. You can't see land from anywhere. You're just on this floating platform way above the water, like tall enough for ships to go. It's a narrow little thing. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's four lanes. Two lanes in each direction. Two lanes in each direction. And, uh. And you're just floating up there above the ocean. You can't see anything. And that's a seven-mile bridge. There was going to be a 25-mile bridge. Like, just crazy. You're just out in the middle of the water forever and ever. Crazy. Uh, I mean, back then, that's insane. Was it going to use steel? I mean, it was just like, it would have been just like the seven-mile bridge. These kind of arches, like. Yeah, steel railway bridge looking thing with the trestles and the, like. But it's like concrete or cement or something. Those, like the old seven-mile bridge. Yeah. Is not steel. It's not. No, no, it's stone or concrete or something because the salt water would. Yeah, but the one the, the railings like on the side of the road from part Everglades City was going to do it or is it around there some I don't know Whatever where the southernmost tip is of the yeah of, of mainland the Florida yeah nub, yeah because uh, the the keys are sort of comma shaped and so they do go south but they also go a lot west and so if you just kind of cut straight down to Big Pine Key which is the lower lower keys you basically instead of curving around you're just going straight across yeah yeah so and, you wouldn't have started Miami you would have started like halfway across Florida yeah you would have kind of the railroad would have gone into the middle yeah. and then down across open water and so they're like That's no not that just, I mean, but the, but the thought that that could happen too is just amazing yeah that was the original plan um, props to flag level yep so they had a surveyor and he's like it'd be better if we follow the keys across Leap, leapfrogged from island to island so lots of bridges um, I mean there's dozens and dozens of keys and yeah. channels between them like natural channels and they're all really small and some of them now so the overseas railroad that which he did eventually build all the way to key west um and we'll talk about what happened to it turned into the overseas highway um uh, because people you know were starting to buy cars they didn't want to take the train they wanted to drive and so basically all the stuff they laid for the railroad eventually became the road road but there's a lot of keys where there's the road now yeah and there's 10 feet on either side and then you're in the ocean they're really narrow yep right all those saddle bunch keys down by us there's nothing no you're just there's just the road on the little piece of ground that's there and there have been bad hurricanes that come across the keys even in in hurricane i mean hurricane irma was a bad hurricane um that just wash sand over the keys that wash out a lot of that road yeah because it floods and there's just the one Oh, you know, no, for a lot of it's a no two-lane road. There's no other, yeah, yeah. no space to protect it. Uh, so he's like, okay, we've now got the plan. So he's, he, wait, just to comment, yeah. right? So he was kind of the tail end of railroad, right? He was like, he was actually, he was missing the point that everyone was going to drive cars soon. Yeah. Um, and so he starts building the overseas railroad in 1905. Yeah. It is finished in about 1912. That's and when you can take the train to Key West. Henry and it, Ford is churning out Model Ts around then. Yes, now. it only operates until 1935. Yeah, um, 20 years. 
Seems like a pretty good time, actually. <laughs> so it cost $50 million at the time in 1905, which is about $1.4 billion today that he paid himself yeah, well, Bezos out of his has vast that. fortune. Yeah. But I mean, it's a lot of personal money to spend on this crazy project. Sure. Um, super over budget, super behind schedule. But he, you know, normally the way these sorts of projects are built is that we're going to start at Biscayne Bay and we're just going to be laying track yeah. all the way down to Key West. And he's like, screw that. We're building the whole thing at once. So we're going to have people <laughs> up at the top. We're going to have people in Key West. They're all just going to be. Everyone's all... going to hammer one nail and Basically, we're going to be done. There's going to be people Ooh. spread out along the keys. We're going to build these work camps That's and they're insane. all going to be building railroad at the same time because it's going to take too long. You if probably we're thought, consecutively. I'm an old man. I can't handle this. I've just got to get it done. <laughs> Yeah, there are some crazy pictures of him. So I think there were 80-some camps along the keys, like almost one per key. Uh, one per mile almost, yeah. One yeah, per I mean, one miles. per every two miles. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so they've got these work camps. There are not that many people in the keys. So uh, I don't know if I've got the numbers plugged in here. Just in to start with, yeah. So the current population of the Florida Keys is about 77,000. That's and the population. And 25 is in Key West. And 25,000 of that's in Key West. So, so Key West is the very end, the last four miles are Key West. Yeah. So for the other 100-some miles, there's 50,000 people uh, now. That's back, not a lot. Yeah, back then in the 1910 census, there were like 27,000 people, 25,000 of them in Key West. Yeah. And then just, you know, probably some that's in right. Key Largo because that was sort of easy to get to. And that's it. Then there's, you know, random... You We've know, heard of, like, Sugarloaf, there was, like, one farmer who yeah, we looked the up whole key. Yeah. Our key. Our, so we live on Sugarloaf Key, and I was like, I wonder what the history of our key was. And there was one dude, Harris, and I only remember his name because we've got Harris Channel is what yeah, we drive over yeah. to get there. And he had a farm, and sometimes the population with Sugarloaf Key was 13 because he had people working with him. And sometimes it was one because he was there. <laughs> uh, he had some, like, weird drunk guy fisherman who lived there a lot of the time. It's like, you knew exactly the people who were there all the time um so it was very sparsely populated i'm hard to imagine yeah i mean there's just nobody down there. and there's no way to get there you can't take a train you can't drive you take a boat right you just you, you just basically have to be born there boating around yeah the you cox, know? yeah uh you're born there and and then you stay down there. Yeah. And I mean, some of them leave, but... This is your farm. I hope you can swim. Yeah. Or, you know, you get the random person coming down on a boat, but it's just, it's so remote. Even now, it's very remote, and mm. you can drive there, mm. and you can fly there. Um, so there's not nearly enough people in the Florida Keys to build this railroad. So people are getting imported from all over Florida, from kind of all over the East Coast and, uh, and the Gulf Coast, to work on this. There were about 4,000 people who eventually worked on it, sometimes a thousand at a time wow. working on this, right? So there's 80 camps, there's a thousand people working. Man. Um, I mean, there's just a, a ton of manpower deployed on this. And of course the conditions are miserable. <sighs> like, uh, it's super hot. It's incredibly humid. And we live in DC and this is the first summer we've, you know, we visited the keys in the summer before, but this is the first summer that we've spent down there. And I was like, what's well, going to be the same basically like DC gets super hot. It's super humid. It's going to be the same. And we got down there the first week. I'm like, why does it feel so bad? And it's cause the dew point in DC is around 65, which is considered oppressive. And the dew point in the Florida keys is like 75 to 80, <laughs> which is 
it makes such More a big oppressive. difference. <laughs> you go outside and the and so it doesn't actually get that hot. It doesn't get a hundred degrees. Right. It's in the nineties. It's yeah. in yeah, mid eighties to nineties, which is like beautiful, comfortable weather up yeah. here. Fun fact, I just learned that Miami has never had single digit weather Fahrenheit. Yeah. And has never had triple digit weather Fahrenheit. Yeah. Because it's on the ocean. The keys are the same, right? It doesn't get super hot because it's in the ocean. That's right. Yeah. It's it stays pretty cool. And so you think Oh, 87. That's not bad. I mean, that's a nice summer day. I can handle that. Uh, but actually, it, it feels really hot when yeah. you've got the, and it's, we, uh, the dew point like it that. It does depend, like D.C., on air conditioning these days. You really yeah, need it. it would be hard to live there. It could, because it stays... Uh, another, a difference between D.C. and there is that, you know, here, it's, it's a rare exception when it gets down, uh, when it doesn't get into the 70s or even the 60s at night. And in the Keys, it never gets below 80 in July and August. So, yeah, if you want to, like, sleep, it's not nice and cool outside at night. Like, here, I often go, like, all right, well, I mean, it's sort of humid, but, like, if it didn't have air conditioning, I could, like, go sleep on the porch and it'd be nice. Open the windows at night, right? You'd be okay. Yeah. No. Uh, not there. <laughs> it's not nice outside at night. It is super oppressively humid and hot. And, and we haven't started on the mosquitoes. Yeah, the mosquitoes were a huge problem. And, of course, all the diseases that they carried, you didn't have treatments for at that point in the turn of the century. Oh. So, and there... There had to be malaria, right? I would think so. Yeah, and yellow fever. I mean, the mosquitoes now are just, like, unbearable. You go outside, like, at sunset, and you just... They swarm towards you. I've gone for these runs before, like, at sunset... And uh, I told your dad, like, you know, I run on, on these sort of non-existent roads and I was out for one super long run. I had left right at sunset, so it was dark, uh, but just after sunset. And I was like, well, I have to pee. I'm going to pee in the woods. And so I go to pee in the woods. And it, the second I stop running, like 500 mosquitoes landed on me. Unbelievable. It, it is a swampy area. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, I mean, there are full on swamps there, yeah. marshes. I mean, marshes, I guess. Um, and then the mangroves kind of hold all this water. And so uh, it's beautiful now. But if you're just kind of working down there and camping and you don't oh. have any of these modern resources, there's no fresh water. Imagine. They right? They have to bring the water in. Ship it in, right? There weren't bridges. Ship it in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no fresh water in the Keys. All of our water now comes in a pipe from the mainland. Um, so there's no sewage there's no electricity there's no air conditioning there's no fans there's no nothing like you were sewage is the ocean i guess but still wow yeah so uh so all these guys are working and they don't really know the territory and of course to how do you house a thousand people in an uninhabited place there's not hotels in places you can put them up yeah um and so flagler basically buys a bunch of these steamships that had worked on like the Indian River, the Mississippi no. River, um, carrying passengers, having cargo, brings them down to the Keys. And then a lot of, some of these are carrying, you know, equipment to build the railroad, you know, rail ties and stuff to build the railroad. Yeah. And then some of them get turned into houseboats. Basically, there are tents on the deck. There Dorms. are like bunks. Like underneath yeah Yeah, hundreds of guys sleeping on these like old barges that are anchored off the keys where they're working yeah that's easier than building stuff yeah 
because um, you're trying to build the railroad. Sometimes there's no, there's not room on a lot of these keys. There's not room to build housing and yeah. the railroad of the road. There, and yeah. now there's no houses on it. Um, and there's no water and there's none of this other stuff. So you can kind of put a water tank on a boat. Yeah. And, right. you know, you have to build more infrastructure to get that on, uh, on land. Wow. And so this is the situation that we're working in. It wouldn't work today. No, it would laws, because there are some, not a lot, but there's some minimal laws in the U.S. And, uh, yeah, that's right. And there's not really a lot of labor laws at this point, which matters. Um, so in the Florida Keys, there's basically two seasons, the wet season and the dry season. The wet season is the same thing as hurricane season. It goes like June to November. And then the dry season is December through May. I mean, the wet season starts like in the middle of May. Yeah. And so you want to be building in the dry season because there's not hurricanes and tropical there's storms. There's rains every day, yeah. I mean, rain season is storms every day. Every day. I mean, big lightning storms. And if you, if you follow my running account, you see that this was a big problem for me, like trying to do some consistent runs. There's, uh, I mean, every night there's in the wet season pretty much lightning storms we have a surveillance camera in our house to detect motion and if i leave the alerts on every night it sends it to me and i watch it and it's like a thunderstorm that it can see like out the window yeah. over the water There's motion there's motion yeah. yeah yeah big lightning storms every night which is not great for working in and sometimes in the mornings i mean they can come at any time but they tend to be in the morning down there um so yeah dry season better Dry season's better, and the guys working on the railroad are apparently just, like, killing themselves working during the dry season, but they're not getting it done. The whole project is behind. And so they agree to work through the wet season, i.e. hurricane season. What do you, when you say they agree to, what, what are we talking about here? I think, you know, the workers they can just, leave. We're told. They yeah. can just catch a boat and leave if they want right. to. They're getting paid. Yeah. Um, and there are boats that go back and forth. But, uh, you know, they're getting paid and yeah, true. all right. Uh, but most of them have never been through a hurricane. I mean, yeah, not that common. You're not foreshadowing or anything, though, right? Uh, I mean, I think I said that we're talking about the 1906 <laughs> hurricane right, right. here. Fair enough. So cuts out of the bag. Mm -hmm. there, there will be one. And uh, there's no telephones or telegraphs. I mean, there's not great weather forecasting anyway. Yeah. In 1906. This was a very, very recent thing with the, uh, the forecasting. Yeah. Um, but any news that they may have had, so if you have someone in Cuba, right, who's like, hey, this big storm just came through here and it's heading to y'all yeah. uh, in a day or two. By boat, maybe? There's just nothing. There's nothing to get it down to the keys. Transmit that by boat. Yeah. So, uh, so there are some writings about this hurricane and there were a number of hurricanes, I think three big ones that came through while they were building the railroad. And the people who came down to work on the railroad knew that the native people of Key West, I don't know, native people, they weren't Native American, but like the people who had lived in Key oh, West. the conks. Like the conks, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So you're called a conk if you were born and raised in Key West. And they had a lot of conks who were um, driving the boats because they knew how to navigate in the very shallow waters of the Florida Keys, and which can be really treacherous if you don't know how to do that. Yeah, a lot of running aground. Yeah, so the conks were, there were a lot of conks working on this project, and they knew that, uh, that the conks kind of knew the signs of when a hurricane was coming. So this is a quote. When the colorful red blossoms of the royal Poncinia refused to appear, 
or when land crabs are seen marching towards higher ground or when ants climb straight up the walls. Oh. That's a sign of a hurricane. This is stuff the conks knew. Ants climb straight up the walls. So you look at your house, the ants are climbing straight up. And like There's, little lines. <laughs> yeah, little crabs like crawling up tiny little hills. You're like, oh, it, oh, lot it coming. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> batting down, yeah. Um, Man. Yeah, and so they would, they'd try all kinds of things. So the conks knew these sorts of things. They tried to build these like, barometers basically so they take these glass tubes they'd put like blades of grass and weeds in there with water to see like if the pressure changes to because yeah. the pressure really drops when you have a hurricane coming right. through and so they're like okay well maybe that'll tell us if a hurricane's so coming primitive it's super primitive and they and they kind of don't know until the hurricane's there yeah, oh the pressure has dropped here's a hurricane <laughs> it has arrived it's just like hanging the coconut out right if the coconut is gone it's a hurricane yeah. Uh, so we're looking at October 16th. Which year? 1906. 1906. Um, so there's people working all over the islands. They have no idea. Six days earlier, there was a tropical stum, a tro- tropical storm. Stump? Stump. <laughs> it was, I'm a professional. Tropical storm uh, became hurricane force, hit Cuba destroyed parts of cuba and then starts churning towards the florida hurricane over water get stronger yeah yeah and so they've just got oh it's like beautiful clear skies and breezes (laughs) and like it's coming and it's coming and it's coming (laughs) and uh some of the guys who are working on the night crews because they're working around the clock are like hmm the birds all seem to be gone. Look at those ants crawling up the wall. <laughs> and the weeds are coming up in our little barometers that we've made. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wonder what's going on. So, like, why don't we tie these ropes down a little bit harder that are, like, holding our tents on these oh, boats and, man. like, holding the boats. Um, yeah. So, it, by midnight, a tugboat engineer who was on working on one of these, like, dormitory boats... Um, he tells the Miami Herald that the winds at Long Key had kicked up enough to shut down the work. So, because they're working around the clock, right? So at midnight, they basically have to stop working because it's so windy. It blows away their tools. (sighs) Yeah, and part of the problem is, like, these are sort of primitive ships by modern standards. So by 6 a.m., nothing is, no motors are working because there's been enough salt spray off the water because the winds are hard that you can't start any of the engines. So everything is just floating there which means if you're on a dormitory boat they could put you on land yeah where you're in a better position than being on a boat you are but they can't push you on land because they can't move the boat because (sighs) nothing will start um and sort of by 7 a.m the winds are getting stronger and people are starting to worry like these boats are just going to blow away and they did at 7 30 and so I found incapacitated boats. I mean, no engine. It's not like riding out the storm. You're just driftwood. That's right. And these are basically like river barges, right? They're not sea-going vessels. They're river barges that are just anchored on. Good for flat water. Yes, exactly. And so I was looking around. You know, I found some sort of summaries of what happened, but I found this thing called The Wreck of Houseboat Number 4 by (sighs) William Saunders. It is a first-person account of a dude who was on one of these boats. Is he Gordon Um, Lightfoot-like? It'd be interesting to try to put this to a song (laughs) like that. Um, He writes a very good description, though. So uh, 
Yeah. So he's like, we're all trying to get some sleep. Uh, some of us, I think he's from either Florida or New Orleans. So he's been through hurricanes before in his life. Yeah. And he's like, those of us who had experience from hurricanes had a really hard time sleeping because we basically knew what was going on. Like there weren't hurricane warnings. You didn't have this kind of system, but we kind of have, he, you know, he says this like sixth sense that there's a hurricane coming. And um, I'm sure, you know, you can sense. feel give the it, pressure. Give a lot of credit. This. It's like a really screaming wind. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, there are like, we have been through storms with screaming wind yeah. and like really high stuff down there. And it's like, it passes through in a day it and it's not, not a, a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm sure if you live through enough of these, especially at this time, like, you know, kind of what it feels like. I mean, the pressure really drops, like stuff feels different. Yeah. And uh, so they're all really worried. Um, like I said, he, he reports the same thing. None of the boats that use gasoline power can be started by oh. 6 a.m. because of the salt spray. Oh, they're probably, what, the gasoline's flooded. Gasoline's yeah. Full yeah, of that's right. Water. So you just got salt water oh. coming in. Um. And they're like, so we worried that the the cables would break that are holding these dorms in. And then they did at 730. And he says, we were swiftly on our way southward across Hawks Channel and into the famous Gulf Stream and a hurricane wind <laughs> estimated at more than 100 miles an hour. Oh, my. So there's hundreds of guys on these boats that have now broken loose and are just out in the friggin' Atlantic <sighs> in a hurricane. Gulf Stream goes to Iceland, I think. Yeah. It, you're, you've got nowhere to stop. So he says, while we're still in Hawks Channel, the seas were heavy enough to show us that the old Mississippi wooden barge would not last very long. The hull developed leaks. Efforts at pumping out the water were useless. As the barge was lifted on the waves, you imagine this flat-bottomed river barge lifted up on these huge waves. The planking on the sides would open enough that you could put your hand through the cracks. Oh, my goodness. And... Uh, when the wave was under the barge, those planks would step together with this loud crack. So you can just imagine how like terrifying. Or like is. a riverboat, like a paddle wheeler or something. It's I mean, kind of like about that. about as seaworthy, probably. Yeah. I, I mean, probably less because this is just like hauling stuff around, right? It's like a barge a that barge. you transport. It's not even a ship. Yeah, it's just yeah. A, like a thing flat thing. Be towed. Yeah. Yeah, they had like tents and like little basically uh, shacks that they'd put dorms in on there because if it's flat. Such a good fair weather system so here's its great description so the planks were long pieces of timber timber 14 inches by four inches so like a two by four but really wide 14 inches wide yeah four inches thick the sides were basically straight up and down so they don't curve underneath <laughs> it's just it's there's a, a flat it's a bottom shoebox yes that's right it's like a shoebox and uh yeah and then it's like held together basically with these just iron rods. Like they drill holes and then they put these iron rods through there. And uh, oh, like every like, foot, there's a hole in a, a plank. Box. It's, it's totally like a box. It's totally a box. Because it's on like flat river yeah, water, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So he says below decks on the barge was a kitchen and a dining room. There were no lights. They're just kerosene lamps. Uh just like nothing. So at 9 a.m., so they broke loose at 7.30. So they're out there just like crashing around on this boat. Getting further away from land, which is bad. Yeah, straight out in the Atlantic. Uh, it says it was about 9 a.m. when the flimsy house aboard the top deck blew away like a pack of cards carrying an unknown number of men with it. Oof. Just blown out into the ocean. We were then in very heavy seas, and it was only a few minutes until the top deck planking had worked loose. So the wind is blowing so hard that the floor of the deck 
is blowing off one plank at a time. Uh, and then, of course, the whole thing fills up with water. Yeah. Right? Because the top being, deck is blown off. being underwater. Yeah. Um, and, and everything just sort of... Presumably it's raining like crazy, too. Yeah. So it says the top planks were about 40 feet long, 2 by 12, 2 inches thick, 12 inches long. He says, as they were drifting away, some of them headed endwise into the wind. And as they'd float up on a wave, they would kind of topple end over end, whirling towards the south. He says that there's some guy who's holding on to one plank, right? He's been blown off the boat. He's holding on to one plank. And another plank blows through the wind and basically like a pair of scissors, right? He's holding on to one. It comes in from the other side, just kind of... Cuts his arms off. Chops him in half. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, He said, when I could look again, the planks and the man were both gone from sight. Probably better. What are you looking for anyway? (sighs) Well, you know, I mean... You're, you're probably pretty panicked at this point. You're just looking at whatever you can look Freaking at. Freaking out, yeah. He said, when I came to Florida, they told me there wasn't thunder and lightning and hurricanes, and I'd been through four, and that was true. But this one, there are these huge, you know, thunder cracks and whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so he said, there was one other feature of the old bards that had very direct bearing on my own experiences. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, the top deck had been built out with an overhang of some three or four feet. That's a good idea. Probably to provide a walk away all the way around the house that was used for sleeping and offices. And uh, as the steamers from Miami would come up alongside, then it was easier to transfer stuff because it's got this overhang. So uh, the problem is that if the boat's moving like that can cause damage to the steamer trucks trunk steamer boats um so they built these like six by six inch timbers basically these planks or i don't know boards uh on the edge pylons almost yeah yeah um held away the same distance from the side of the barge at the steamer deck gunwales so basically it's like giving you this buffer yeah, um we, we pronounce that gunnels is that how you say that in rowing that's what it's gunnels oh. yeah even though it looks like gunwales this is yeah. one of these things where like i've only ever read that word I've yeah, never yeah. Heard it. i yes. think it's oh, gunnels gunnel. nice uh so they're nine feet long these timbers timbers is the word i was trying to get there oh, boards but they're going up and down right yeah they're going yeah. up and down um and they're they're like kinda... a, i pictured it's like the side of a pier like i think that's those, right the, buffer things yeah Yeah, so you're not going to crash like this plank this kind of walkway into the side of a steamer you've got these up and down parts um and so essentially this gets turned into a raft for these guys they like this is strapped on so there's 10 guys who make it into this i mean it's just part of the boat that's broken off basically walkway in these and these these gunnels and there's like things part of i think a wall because there's like windows somewhere that they're holding on to um, I mean, I don't know that they're actual windows, but it's today it would be an escape pod in a uh, spaceship, but yeah. it's actually just part of this barge. So, so he's like, basically, there was an iron bolt sticking out of one of these timbers, and that's what I hung on to. And we would take turns having our stomachs against the timber. So it's not like they're on a real raft; like they're just holding on to this thing. Like- kind of their feet in the water like a, hugging a telephone pole or something yeah bent over it and they have to take turns because they're going through these waves and crashing down and so the whole thing smashes into your stomach then Ugh. and they've got these like terrible bruises he says i had a very plain square mark on my stomach where the force of the waves forced me against the timber hard enough to leave a mark wow it's hard to describe the way the waves rose up some three stories then broke over us on the raft with tons and tons of water this lasted about three hours. Whoa. 
And then the worst of the wind was over, but the seas seemed to grow higher until about 4 p.m. when the wind dropped to a light breeze and we could stand up on the raft. So he makes it basically hanging on to some, like, From chunks of 7.30 wood in the morning, then. Till 4 p.m. Wow. When it passes through. Uh, and... He says, in spite of the real tragedy of men lost, there were some things that happened to cause a grin among the rest of us. The water supply in the houseboat (laughs) was a square cypress tank bolted together very firmly. When two men saw this tank float loose from the general wreckage, they saw a sure way to float and left the trash they were hanging on and took over that tank. They were like two squirrels on the outside of the cage, and every shift of the wave would start the cage turning, and those two trying to stop it turning, one by climbing up one side and the other sliding down the other side. The square shape of the tank was forever scraping and bruising their bodies from head to foot, and they were probably the worst bruised of any of the survivors. However, they were picked up about 5 p.m. and were lucky to have good med- medical help above, aboard the ship Jenny. Wow. So they made it hanging onto this tank. That doesn't make me laugh. Who was it? Like the Coast Guard? Uh, the ship Jenny. There was a whole bunch of ships out there. So the Red Cross was there. Uh, they came out. Clara Barton. Yeah. was helping yeah, organize yeah, yeah. it at that point. Um, but there were other, there were a lot of men who kind of saw this hurricane coming, their boat breaks loose, and they're yeah. like, well, I'm not going to make it. And they committed suicide, so they used laudanum, which was uh, opium, right? opium and mixed with alcohol. It was like a liquid. And they just drank that, basically, to commit suicide because they were just so scared of how they were going to die oh. if they stayed on the boat. Um, they a lot of them couldn't swim because you don't have to be able to swim down there. And of course, there's sharks in the water. There's a lot of sharks down there. Uh, gators, if you were to end up anywhere, you know, near the coast, some of them drowned themselves so they would find, you know, like canned meat or rocks or whatever, take the laudanum, pass out, roll into the water and die. Because they're like, that's better than fighting through this and going through. That's so bleak. Yeah, but there, I mean, there are a lot of these guys who were kind of like, okay, like we're going to try to stay afloat on this boat. And then just like it would, pieces of the boat would blow off and dozens of guys would yeah. blow off but with it. I don't it. know if you're much worse than laudanum dudes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're more conscious of what's going to happen then. I guess. Um, I mean, suck a few breaths of seawater, you're done anyway. Yeah. So this guy and the men who are rescued with him are also brought aboard this ship, Jenny. This is an Austrian ship. Huh. Uh, it had been going to Key West. I think it was selling like rosin or some huh. some kind of turn of the century weird stuff. Yeah. And it had been kind of on the outskirts when the hurricane came through. So the boat was okay. All of its cargo was basically like pushed off the top of the boat. And so they spotted these guys. And, you know, a lot of guys along the way rescued them, brought them back to Key West. Um, So it's 4 p.m. that they get found. They get loaded up onto the ship, uh, which I guess is real primitive. No electric lights. It's like a steamship. But it came from, I mean, it's an ocean-going. Yeah, it's an ocean-going ship. Yeah, but not not luxurious. Not not well-equipped. Like, you're roughing it on the seas. Not Titanic, yeah. That's right. So... uh, so they bring them down to Key West. They get down to Key West at 10 a.m. the next day. So they get picked up at 4 p.m. Get okay. down Key West at 10. But it says, we weren't, were not put ashore until all the arrangements were completed. I understand that a price was paid per head to the captain for his salvage and care of the group. So, I mean, I guess that's good. We're there's, real there's, ocean-going stuff there. There's laws about this, I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, but it sounds like the crew was like, they didn't have much stuff, but they divided it among these guys because the guys are all basically naked at that point, right? Whatever they were wearing has been like ripped up and blown off. And uh, so the crew's like giving them whatever stuff they have. Yeah, towels. Yeah, Something. yeah, anything. So it says from Long Key alone. So this is in uh, kind of up in Isla Morada, like the Upper Keys, which is where this houseboat was that the guy's writing about. There were 150 men on the houseboat and uh, 50 of them had not even been recorded. So he thinks maybe, so, you know, they're recording deaths of people, but you don't find a lot of the people. Yeah. So uh, the total number may have been 175. Um, so 150 men on the houseboat. Some of them weren't written down. So maybe 175 people on the ho- houseboat. Um, 72 died. Man. The rest were rescued, probably. Uh, and that's just from that one key. So, yeah, it's crazy. And so the guy's like, so I was kind of out of there at this point. And he has he has sort of the story of, <laughs> like, how he managed to get some That was my Florida stuff. adventure. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Finished. Uh, you know, how did they get me back up to home? And it's an interesting thing. I'll put a link to it. You can read that story online, but, um, yeah. So, and, and of course this sort of thing didn't just happen. There were 81 of these camps. They were all over the place. And, uh, and so, you know, lots of, lots of this was repeated all over. So like getting actual Death tolls is really hard because there wasn't great record keeping of who was there and who was found because a lot of the guys like, okay, like I've been rescued and brought back to Key West, like get me the heck home. Like I'm not going back to my work camp. Uh, But they think a couple hundred men died and it, you know, obviously very traumatic from everyone. And uh, so then it says Flagler's project manager, Joseph Meredith, told his boss of the storm and the deaths, but added... No man has any business connected with this work who can't stand grief. And Flagler says, go ahead. Like, keep going. Keep going. Like, they can deal with it. Um, uh. And so they keep going. And there were other hurricanes and more people died, but they finished it. Uh, in 1912, Flagler took the train ride from Biscayne down to Key West. Oh. Railroad operated for a while. And uh, in 1935... The 1935 Labor Day hurricane, they didn't name them at that point, uh, it was the most intense Atlantic hurricane to make landfall in the United States. Ever. Ever, both in terms of pressure and wind speed. Um, It was also the most intense Atlantic hurricane on record at all until Hurricane Gilberton in 1988. So this is, it's a Category 5 hurricane, like one of the most intense hurricanes once in a century storm ever yeah uh hits the keys in 1935 like that's where it makes landfall and uh among other things takes out the railroad yeah it knocks and it was it was really terrible so this is 1935 so there were um they knew they had to start building roads because people were driving and so there's a lot of veterans camps for World War I veterans who are employed helping to build the road. These same kind of camps, just tents, uh, you know, not necessarily on boats, but just tents out on the Keys. They're building roads down there, plus guys who are working on maintaining and, um, you know, building the railroad, driving the railroad. There's people taking the railroad, right, on the train. And yeah. this hurricane comes through. There's a whole train full of people that's just 
washed out into the ocean. These veterans camps just totally destroyed with all these people working down there. Super deadly hurricane and destroys the railroad, washes out the track. And so you can't... Wrecks the bridges. Yeah. yeah. And so they were basically like, and we're done with the railroad. <laughs> um, now you can drive on it. And so before they had finished creating the road, like paving the road, you could start driving down to the Florida Keys because the bridges were built to stand up to it. Um, none, you know, Hurricane Irma, which was the last one that went through, uh, no bridges. So there are a couple pedestrian bridges that had some damage that were like next to, but like even the old bridges from the turn of the century, Flagler's railroad bridges, a lot of those are still there. They have built new bridges next to them, but they didn't necessarily tear down the old ones. All those old ones did fine. Yeah. None of the bridges got destroyed. They're very well built. They know what they have to stand up to. And so if you wanted to drive, you would drive on the railroad tracks, including over the bridges. These bridges are the width of a rail car. And maybe or maybe not with railings on the side. And you would like sometimes there'd be like a paved road on the key, but then to get on the bridge you'd have to drive on the railroad tracks. You'd pull your there's there's some video of it on youtube i'll try to dig out a link and and put it up there crazy uh but they did eventually get the whole thing converted to a road which is good air tires either they had like the solid rubber yeah oh my that's crazy. the videos like old movies of this are crazy yeah no it must have been just the worst drive and i mean it takes now it takes two and a half hours to get you know down from miami to key west on a good day yeah it would be really brutal um but yeah that 1935 hurricane uh so intense took out a lot of the railroad that was the end and so that really pushed the development of what's now the overseas highway route one that goes all the way down to key west um converting that from the railway to a car so no trains in the florida keys right now yeah yeah just just the road but uh there you go so our murderer of the week is the 1906 hurricane murderers mother nature yeah uh it was and of course it's not the only one right there were three like i said three hurricanes while they were building the railroad and then this 1935 hurricane there's a ton of really interesting stuff about that mother gave a lot of notice and then was like okay fine i sent the ants crawling up the wall what else did you want from me that's it Hammer's coming down. 1935, I'm I'm nailing everybody. Yeah. So, you know, not our typical murderer, but I think like I'm I'm normally not into history stuff like this at all. But I know, you don't even you're not interested in the Civil War stuff at all. Oh my god. I don't want to watch anything about any wars. She's rolling her eyes like <laughs> Like a lot. <laughs> do not want to watch Civil War. Do not want to watch World War II stuff. So I don't. Interesting. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just like fascinated by this kind of Florida Keys history. I mean, obviously, like it's just, my place. They, they and were I love it. Create. They were just kind of made by some stubborn dude who had a ton of money. Yeah, it's all very. It's interesting because I, I think part of it for me is that it's less morally fraught than a lot of other history because um, 
you know, there were Native Americans who would do stuff and like camp down in the Keys, but the, it wasn't inhabited There's by no Native water. Americans. Yeah. yeah. Hang out there. So there's like evidence like Marathon, which is kind of halfway down, 50 miles down. Um, that they would use it like as a fishing camp. They would stop off there and do stuff. And, and there were bones in Key West. I mean, that's, that's how it got its name, Cahuiso, which is Island of Bones, um, that got bastardized into Key West. Like that's because there were bones there that they assume are from some Native Americans, but it was not inhabited by no, Native Americans. There battles there, or they could have had a burial ground there or something, but it was not like yeah. they lived there. Yeah, so, um, you know, not that they're, that it's a, you know, morally innocent thing that was done there, but it's not the same as like um, Trail of Tears and kind of pushing people out of lands no, that they have occupied. Like worker exploitation. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, there's a ton of that. But it's interesting that it's just the, the whole history of the Keys is very short, yeah. um, you know, even compared to the U.S. And, uh, and mostly it was just Key West. Yeah, and, and, you, and you don't have this like, self-initiated westward expansion right that the the expansion across the alleghenies or into the appalachians or appalachian or you know out west it was all like individual people doing it this is like some dude going i'm doing this i'm making it happen yeah yeah so like key west had been a thing yeah but it was disconnected and it was you know just this very remote kind of island place it really was intended to be like, well, we'll sit between New Orleans and Cuba. And that kind of worked and it kind of didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it was sort of in between, but it wasn't all that necessary. Like self-limiting, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, the Flagler history, like I have no feelings about him one way or another. Like I don't know if he was morally bankrupt or really wonderful. Um, but I think it's interesting that it's like this one dude spent his personal fortune to basically create the East Coast of Florida as a place for people to go yeah. and built all the way down and did all this crazy stuff. And, so. and look, I mean, he didn't call it all Flaglerville. I mean, that's pretty good. Yep, yep. It wasn't like Trump Town and Trump Beach. Let's not even begin. He says you got to name stuff after yourself. Uh, let's not even begin to. Yeah, look how that's working out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there, I've mentioned it before that, and of course I, I blank on the name cause I don't have the book in front of me, but I found like a very small book. That's a history of the Florida Keys. Cause there's just not that much history. Um, there's small keys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Key West and stuff happened there. Uh, but I will dig that out and put a title in. I mean, it's probably a hundred pages maybe. And, uh, and it goes all the way through. It's got all of this stuff, you know, from the founding of Key West, which like, you can tell right when that happened, like some dude did it um, <laughs> through all of this stuff. And then up through like the Cuban Missile Crisis, where there were like anti-missile batteries yeah. on the beach in Key on West. Smathers Breach. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really interesting and, and kind of, you know, if you're going on vacation to Key West and you are even a little bit interested in history, it's kind of a fun thing to read because you, you have like some yeah. pretty interesting reading. And some it's people about are interested in history. I know. So I'll put a link to that in the podcast description. Uh, you ready for a dog palate cleanser? Yeah, of course. This is from Palm Harbor, Florida. Florida man, 75, fights off seven-foot gator to save dog. Oh, good job. His dog's a golden retriever. Oh, oh my God. Good job, His dude. Dog's name is O-C, O-S-I. Oh. Uh, the odds may not be in favor of a dog and a 75-year-old man in a fight against an alligator, but both got away and lived to tell the tale. Good job, This dude. is... Uh, uh, ABC 13 
uh, doesn't have a byline. So this is just from them. Uh, July 11th, 2019. So this is a new story. Yeah. All of a sudden, I see the water rippling along in here, almost like an explosion, said Buddy Ackerman on Wednesday. Ackerman says that explosion out of the pond behind his home was an alligator grabbing hold of his daughter's dog, a golden retriever named Osi. Osi? He was watching the dog while she was on vacation. He was squealing a good bit when the thing grabbed him. Yeah, I Ackerman bet he was said. like, it's poking me. Osi was in the middle of doing his business. Oh no, Osi vulnerable. Yeah, when the seven foot, seven inch gator chomped down on the dog's hindquarters. I go up and slip my... Stupid opportunistic gator. Yeah, I go up and slip and fall on my rear end, and the two of us are tugging, Ackerman said. The alligator's going one way, and I'm going the other. Ackerman says he kicked the gator in the snout, and that's what finally got O.C. loose. The pup is sore, but otherwise okay. O.C. Yep. Trappers uh, eventually pulled an alligator out of the pond and took it away. Mm. Florida Fish and Wildlife says to keep your pets on a leash and away from the water. Gators have been active in the Tampa Bay area lately. A neighbor took video of one that snatched a turtle and brought him back to the pond. No one sure it's the same gator that grabbed Osi. It could be multiple pond turtle gators. Turtle eaters are not dog chompers. Ackerman is just glad the dog wasn't bite-sized. I don't know what would have happened with the people who have like a little Pekingese or something <laughs> running around. I guess we'd say goodbye. Yeah. This is why my dog, Buttercup, uh, barks before she poops in the backyard. She's afraid, <laughs> She's afraid of, of gators. gators. <laughs> yes, she doesn't want to get chomped. Well, I have a picture of O.C., so I will post that oh, along good. with, uh, you know, I've got a few kind of railroad hurricane pictures, nothing uh, nothing especially graphic well, from this week. There weren't too many photographs back then, probably. Not too many. There are some interesting ones of, like, you know, trains and stuff pushed off that I think are from the 35 hurricane, uh, but just to kind of give you a sense of what the railroad looked like and everything. No so. selfies. No, that's true. So there you go. That is our very historical mass murder by Mother Nature of dudes working on the overseas railroad. Bloody-minded development. Indeed. But I I like it. I like history. Yeah, and a nice departure from, like, the evil that lies in the hearts of men. This is the evil that lies all around the hearts of men. Indeed. Nature. Don't mess. Yeah, good advice. (laughs) Hey, you know, pull good advice. Well, until next week, everybody, don't conk out. I'll talk to Bye. you then. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.